Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day, g'day, and yes, we are back. We've had a bit of an unscheduled break between the last episode and this one, uh, basically between uh, some work things going on and Sansa Cora basically getting stuck in the USA for longer than when they should have been. Uh, we are back here uh, with Thrive Deeper with episode 19 this week, and we've got a great surprise for you. Episode 20 is going to be coming out uh, as a bit of a uh, a bit of a thank you for sticking with us. We're going to put that out in a couple of days times as well so bonus week this week we've got two episodes coming out and then back to our regularly uh, scheduled one one episode a week from now on but on this week's episode uh, we finally get to a lot of your questions we've had questions coming in we get to them on this episode and then we get into a bit of an overview and an introduction into the book of first timothy uh, from the apostle paul one of the one of the first pastoral letters that we'll be looking at and we go into that a little bit here. Uh, we have a lot of news to share with you, and I'm going to be back at the end of the episode, after the discussion with Matt. I'll be back at the end to let you know how you can get your questions into us and ways to be able to contact us there. Some other news coming up as well, so make sure you stick around for that. But right now, let's get into this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. Just under, it's already been a week. Yeah. What day did you yeah. get back? Well, I was, you know, this is the thing, isn't it? I was, <laughs> me- I was meant to get back on Thursday uh, morning, but I ended up getting back on Saturday morning. So Thursday, Friday, so is it two days or three days where you trapped over there? Well, it, it was really three days. Um, it was just a bad sequence of events. Like there was a late flight, missed a connection, had to stay overnight, flown to another city, waited all day. Then that night, that flight was then cancelled for complete, you know, for completely different reasons. And then so we had to wait another whole day uh, to catch that next flight out. All right. This is, this is the, the adventures in uh, October 2018 mm. of the band Sons of Cora trying to get out of the USA. Yeah. They didn't want to let you go. No, they didn't want to let us go. And... <laughs> It was it was quite a busy tour, so we we're all exhausted anyway. So um, it was anyway. We finally got here. We finally got home. And, yeah, uh, here we are. And only one piece of equipment getting wrecked. Uh, yeah, we, we we lost a bit of our luggage, and um, we managed to find it. And then, uh, but yeah, we've got it back with one bit significantly wrecked. You, you're talking about this. The look on your expression is like someone who's been to war who doesn't want to speak oh, of the I'm just, war. Uh, I just like it. <laughs> I'm really over it. <laughs> I really, I mean, it's it's a repeated, like the whole, yeah, that, that whole scenario is. A, I mean, st- you know, stuff. We, we, it's not unusual for for us to see our stuff wrecked, and 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 then, but the the problem is, is that then you have to go through this whole process of 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 making claims and and 
Yeah, and insurance it. insurance companies. Yeah, and then next year's premiums are more expensive yeah. because you've claimed on yeah. things in the past, and it gets more and more expensive yeah. every time. Yeah. So anyway, let's yeah. not talk about it. Oh, if anybody out there is with a price, I mean, we we put a call out there a while ago for anybody with expensive cars to give them to Matt. Now we're calling for expensive planes, <laughs> private jets to take Sun Tzu around the world. Mm. But you're back, and you've come back uh, to a. Um, to an inbox uh, full of questions. Right. And uh, I just need to firstly apologise on behalf of the whole Thrive team. And when I say Thrive team, there's three of us. <laughs> there's you, me, and Stuart Duncan. Uh, and uh, we, our, our little email inbox for the website has been faulty. So people mm. have been emailing us questions from the website and going into the ether. I don't know where those questions have gone to. So apologies if you have jumped onto uh, Thrive Today. Uh, .net.au, uh, please head over there again. It is all working. We have triple-checked it this time. Uh, you can see uh, got a question there on the side, and it says, you know, submit a question for Matt and DJ for the next podcast. You click on that. It'll take you to a little form you can fill out there on the right that asks you for the, for a question for the podcast, and it will actually get through to us now, we promise. Uh, you've also got the option, of course, of jumping on Facebook and uh, heading over to our page and our group and asking stuff there. So we've got a few questions that have come in from both of those sources, Matt, and I thought we could spend some time at the beginning of this episode uh, going through them as they sort of uh, round up our discussion through Thessalonians and then get into Timothy, all right? Uh, so a question from Paul Saunders here. Paul says, during the Thessalonians discussion, Matt mentioned how uh, one of the books – was from Paul's early letters. And he said, I think he said Galatians might, you mentioned that Galatians mm, was mm, the first letter mm. that Paul had written. And he, he said, that got me thinking about Paul's spiritual growth. And, and Paul then mm. says himself, Paul Saunders says, look, stay with me here. Just follow my train of thought. We are encouraged and exhorted to keep growing and revising our views. As Matthew Jacoby has said in the past, if it, al- if it's alive, it grows. I know my views and opinions have changed enormously over my Christian journey and things that used to take up a lot of my time and caused unnecessary anxiety when I was a young Christian seem almost irrelevant to me now. So did Paul's views change as he matured? And are there any clues of this in his letters? And if there's not, why not? Hmm. It's a very good question. I like this uh, question a, a lot. Question. I like this question yeah. a lot. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I think it speaks to you know the 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 organic nature of of scripture and the, the the humanity of scripture which is fine actually you know it's the analogy that's used for the bible is the analogy of Christ who we say was fully god and fully man mm. and um there is a sense in which we as evangelicals would say that scripture is fully divine but also fully human at the same time and all of the marks of, of humanity uh, are there, um, but that ultimately it has this divine authority and this divine inspiration behind it. So let's we'll work with, we'll work with those uh, ideas. Mm. Now I think that allows for development. I think it does allow for development. I think if you look, um, and the classic example of this is, is if you look uh, at the Old Testament, there is a uh, there, there is a development of. Uh, of ideas, not just a static uh, situation. There is an opening up of something. Now, it's not that the early ideas are wrong and mm. get corrected. It's just that there is what 
we would refer to as progressive revelation. And I think we can allow for this in, in, in Paul. Of course we can. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not that what he says in his early letters is wrong. Uh, it's just that as he faces different situations and new challenges and, um, we could say, um, that there is, there is a development. There is this sense of progressive revelation, uh, as it were. Uh, I think we can allow for that. Um, now to, to, there, there actually is a remarkable consistency uh, in in Paul's letters, mm. um, but uh, but I but I do think uh, I do think there is also some development, and I think this is what some scholars who look at Paul's some of Paul's letters and they say, oh, this can't have been written by Paul uh, because he never discusses these issues before he never talks this way in his other letters mm. and, and 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 i and it's a strange argument because my response is to the effect that well he 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 is gro- you know he's growing and there's mm. new challenges and so he's bringing new ideas to bear um uh, so 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 i think there can be that development so you know to use another analogy you know there's a sense of in in an extreme form development um can look you know go from like the bud of a flower to the opening of a flower and it's the same flower but the thing opens up and you mm-hmm. know that's i think what you see throughout the old testament um and possibly here in the life of paul as well do you have any do we have any examples that jump to mind about how we, we what we read about that it changing i can see i can see his personality changing i can see him becoming an old man and things you know and him softening like for example his relationship yeah. with with mark or john yeah, mark yeah, yeah. we can see his relationships changing in some of his attitudes around that but is it, but it really is there anything when it comes to doctrine or his thoughts about the faith that actually changed through the letters uh, not that I can think of. I think that this is a this is quite an involved study yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. itself, really, and I, and I and I don't have anything um, apart from these possible instances where, uh, and, and I'm speaking very generally, where people look at fairly novel things in other letters of Paul and say, "Well, this can't have been written by Paul because this sort of language doesn't appear elsewhere." Hmm. Well, um, I, I use language and ideas now that you know I didn't. Yeah, possibly use and Paul's- before. It's not that I was wrong. It's not that there was necessarily anything wrong before. Yeah, yeah. It's just that as we grow and develop, we use you know different language and different terms, different challenges in life. Yeah, bring out um, different attributes and so forth. And, and and is it is it right for me if I've got it right? I've got a very basic understanding of his timeline in my head that Paul's public ministry was about maybe 30 years from the mm. time to- when I say public, I shouldn't say public ministry from the time he was saved mm. to the time that we think that he, 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 yeah. he died. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was about 30 yeah. years and he was in public ministry planting churches for quite a while yeah. before he actually started writing those letters, his, his, his early letters. Yeah. And so the early, le- the letters part of his life is what about the last decade of his life? Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, so it's not a huge amount of time w- within which to to see much change or yeah. development, really. Yeah. And, and I guess the other aspect, what jumped to mind with this question was that Paul really has the claim of being taught a lot of this doctrine that he is teaching by Christ himself. Yeah. So, 
you know, quite literally. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. So he, you know, he, I mean, Peter says of Paul, you know, refers to Paul's writings alongside the other scriptures, yeah. and um, and 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 Paul seems to write with a very much with a consciousness of, of that there is an authoritative element to this to this teaching, and um, and he feels that that has been, um, you know, authenticated in in a number of ways. Mm. Um, so that there is certainly this this strong sense of divine providence working through Paul uh, as an individual. So yes, we can allow for development, but ultimately um, we we trust a sense of divine providence in uh, working through Paul to produce something that is, we would say, is ultimately inspired and authoritative. Yeah, and consistent. And consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Let, well, this we could spend all day on this yeah. question. So yeah, let's keep right. let's keep rolling. Great question. We love your questions. Uh, um, from Shireen, we have a question of uh, from uh, one Thessalonians uh, in chapter two and chapter three, where Paul is talking about persecutions. And trials. He also speaks of uh, persecutions being destined for the Thessalonian church, and he's talking about some personal stuff as well. And and she notes that she saw a cross reference in her Bible into Acts nine, where uh, you know the testimony of Paul is being put out there, and the words of Christ are in in Acts nine, where it yeah. says that Jesus says that you know he's he. Uh, I will show him how much he must suffer for yeah. my name. <laughs> Jesus says this to Ananias. Yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, about Paul. Oh, okay, okay. It's in that in that yeah. in that part of the story there, uh, and um, you know that quite heavy. And so she has got those two factors running in, in her mind: this promise of Christ about Paul, and she started thinking about. Uh, and I'm summing up summing up a wonderful question from her here: is that the uh, the, the idea being Paul before he was Paul when he was Saul and persecuting the church? Is this idea of suffering that he is facing? As a Christian, sort of some sort of, you know, reaping what he sowed, some sort of mm. cosmic karma, some sort of, you know, uh, thing happening to him, part of God's plan, to, you know, because God is just and he will, you know, mm. he will, he will, he will be justice for his people is part of Paul's suffering, you know, in light of what he did to the church early on. No. Uh, <laughs> Next no, question. No. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's not, uh, it's not. Like karma, uh, it doesn't work like that. And certainly, Paul's uh, is is always conscious of the fact that he's living in grace. I mean, that he's not getting. I mean, what he, what he he's not getting deserves, his yes. just desserts. I mean, that's that's so pervasive throughout his writings. You know, I persecuted the church, I did these things, but I'm getting love and grace and kindness from God instead. So that is the dominant theme in Paul, yeah. uh, not one of I'm. That there's never any sense of I'm. You know, I'm reaping something that I that I've sowed. The comment uh, when Jesus says it to Ananias about Paul, he says, "I will show him how much he must suffer for my name." This is him changing sides. He was the persecutor, now he becomes the persecuted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, that's that's all that that's that's saying. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And 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 the bigger picture there, I know, is sort of to change the way we might be thinking about that persecution and when Paul's talking about it in, you know, the life of the early church, he's, he like we've mentioned it uh, before, it's just... It, it's an Paul, inevitability. It, it, yeah. It's part of the process. Paul, yeah. Paul keeps on, he stresses this all the time, yeah. this is part of the process. Yeah, this yeah. is this is actually a divine yeah. identification with Christ. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. With Again, yeah. we're flying through these questions. We've got a few here. Um 
All right. We are looking at another question here, uh, from 1 Timothy 1 5. And this is a big loose, this is a big loose question, which we could again spend a lot of time with, but we're going, we're going to be really quick on it. Mm. Uh, he mentions, uh, Paul writes about the heart and the significance of the heart. And, and this has got, uh, people questioning about, uh, you know, what, what is this about the, the Christian or the Bible's emphasis on a heart, a pure heart and different things being important to the heart. Some religions talk about, you know, the brain or the third eye or the spirit or different things. But in the, in the, in the Christian faith and in the Bible, it talks about the heart. Now, obviously, it's not talking about this organ that's beating in our chest, mm. or is it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Paul there is operating very much as a, a Hebrew thinker in, in which the heart is the core of our being. It's the seat of the will. Uh, so it's not just emotions. Yeah. Uh, it's the seat of the will. It's the inner man. So there's no... Uh, there's no sense actually in Hebrew thought of this dualism between heart and mind. Okay. So, uh, you know, he speaks elsewhere uh, uh, in, of the thoughts of the heart. Okay. So, yes, so, yes, so yes. Heart is really uh, the, the the spiritual aspect of our constitution. Um, uh, our, you know, it, it's it, it is um, so. It's much. It, it's it's a much more pervasive thing than being the heart, even as opposed to the mind. Okay. Uh, so he, where he speaks about a pure heart, um, he's talking about, you know, pure motivations and a, and a pure sense of uh, sense, purified sense of desire and drive in life. Okay. So this is this, and again, this is a, a, a same similar thought that carries all the way through mm. from the very beginning and, and through the Old Testament. Again, we see right from the beginning from Moses yeah. challenging the Israelites about their heart. Yeah. You know, and their hard heart. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a good point because we do, uh, <clears throat> we seem to have inherited in the Western intellectual tradition, uh, a kind of duality or, or even opposition between mind and heart. Mm. As though, as though they're two different aspects yep. of our of our being. I mean, I, that that that's impossible to to verify. I mean, yeah. uh, the thoughts really are the thoughts of the heart. I mean, the things that we think and even the opinions that we have aren't purely intellectual, as though they can be objective and detached from our desires and our motivations. Yeah. No, they're always attached. In fact, we could say that our our thoughts even. Uh, are in the service of our desire and motivations for everyone. You know, okay. in one sense, there's no such thing as detached, unemotional objectivity yeah. because of who we are. We are desiring creatures. Um, and th- there's been this unfortunate view of, um, of, of humanity in which we are envisaged as containers of ideas, thoughts. Yeah. Whereas I think the biblical uh, notion of humanity is one in which um, we we are uh, we are love we we are worshippers ultimately, creatures whose lives are determined by desire, um, in not desire just in in emotion or a fleeting sense, but deep inner uh, drives by by the will and and this this biblical thinking I think is an important corrective to that. Okay, that's great. I, uh, that's uh, that might lead to a, a whole complete other study at some point. I think that's a great uh, a when great I say it's there. a corrective to that. 
uh, dualism. Yeah. So there's a very much a, a united sense of, the, of who we are as people. Okay, fantastic. All right, let's again. We've got two more questions left, so let's fly through these. Uh, from Paul, uh, we have a question um, about one Timothy four ten, and uh, it, it the verse basically says. Uh, depending on what translation you're reading, we put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all men, especially of those who believe. Now, Paul says, this simply does this imply that either everyone will be saved, especially those who believe, or is this some sort of basis for people to think that there's some sort of universalism, that God has actually saved everybody? What does it mean by the phrase, especially? Of those who believe, um, it is uh, that that is one of the verses that is cited for um, uh, what, what we would refer to as a universalist view. Now, the universalist view says that because of what Christ has done, that everyone, uh, every human being, is. Um, is saved automatically, just you know, irrespective of the decisions, whether we believe or not, decisions we make, whether we acknowledge God. Um, so you, this is this idea that uh, everyone, um, everyone is saved. Now, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that view doesn't really accord with uh, the what, what I think is fairly clear teaching on the fact that, um, uh, to the contrary. That um, that while uh, Christ's death is sufficient for everyone, not everyone gets to benefit from that because yeah. uh, ultimately um, there's a sense in which we are, you know, we are responding to God. I mean, there's a lot, lot of mystery here, but I think I think it's fairly clear from the scriptures that there there and that there are some who are. Who are lost, mm. and uh, and here here is the imperative actually of making Christ known. Um, I mean, there's so many issues here that I'm I'm trying to I'm umming and ahhing here because I'm trying not to get too we could go because like, there's lots of questions about well, what about the person who's never heard of yeah. you know now I, you know as I said. Um, Christ makes it possible for everyone to be saved, and there's a cert- certain mystery around um, h- how that. Applies to people, but to balance that mystery is also the absolute assurance that if we if we entrust our life to Jesus Christ, we will be saved. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. there's an absolute assurance to that, mm. and um, and so I think what this is saying uh, here is um, that he is the savior of all people because there's only one savior, savior. and yeah. so and and and. And is in that sense the savior of all people potentially, and especially of those who believe, because they have actually uh, drawn down on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's almost like um, let's do a really bad analogy here, Matt. It's almost like saying uh, I've, you know, thank thank uh, this person, thank Bill for building a battery that can imp- that it could empower every house in Geelong. Yeah. But we really want to thank everybody who's actually plugged their cord into the battery. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. they're actually getting the power. Yeah, it's got right. the it's got the ability to power yeah. every house. But yeah, these yeah. are the people who've actually plugged it in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, thank that's you. a good analogy. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, was, I was worried it was a bit shaky there. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on. Last question before we get into uh, the first uh, book of Timothy. And some of these questions are actually coming out of Timothy, which is uh, we're sort of doing it a little bit behind uh, backwards here. But uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and I love this question. This actually got a lot of discussion in our Facebook group uh, over on Facebook. Okay. And, uh, and from one question, uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5, uh, where Paul says to Timothy at the end of the letter, he says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Now, the question- yeah, thanks for bringing this one up. <laughs> so the question is, is this some sort of metaphor? Is this some sort of spiritual thing? Or is Paul speaking literally? And if he's speaking literally, do we are we supposed to be drinking wine because of illnesses? Is this some sort of cure? What is going on here? <clears throat> yeah, um, this is a it's a personal letter to an individual and, and in fact it's the the pastoral epistles uh and in the next in a moment we'll say a bit more about that which uh Timothy the letters to Timothy and Titus are a little different to the other letters because they are written to individuals not an entire congregation not an entire yeah. co- now the the teaching was to be passed on to entire congregations yes. but they're written to individuals so they they have these marks uh they have elements of personal address to this individual yeah. in a specific situation. And uh, for some reason, and we know not what that reason is or what the rationale, uh, Paul uh, thinks that Timothy needs to stop drinking water, which let's face it, in the first century was most probably heavily polluted. Yeah, not great, not um, great quality water. That's right. And, uh, and to drink uh, wine, which is really the main alternative, not as um, – not – like the heavy alcoholic stuff that we have yes. today, but um, still, look, uh, some forms of it were still sufficient to get drunk on because yeah. Paul talks about do not get drunk on. Well, wine. this is in the you light know. of that very very thing that was going on in, yeah, yeah. in the church. Yeah. This is where that verse comes out of because Paul's already having a go at some of the yeah. older men there that are probably wandering around the town drunk and saying, <laughs> you know, they're, they're they're from the church. So in light of that. You know, my reading it has always been Timothy being such a young, on fire, uh, you know, um, follower of Paul yeah. that he has gone. Well, Paul's saying to these guys, "Don't drink." Yeah. Well, I'm going to stay right away because yeah, I'm going to yeah. be real black and white as yeah. a young man is, and 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 Paul's giving him some very practical, yeah, first yeah. century advice, yeah. saying, "Look." The water can make you sick, buddy. And and again, reading different people, everyone has a different opinion what the oh, wine yeah, was yeah. back then. But a lot of times people were saying that in that first century, you know, the wine that they had, the concentrate they had was added to water. And a lot yeah. of times it was done to kill off, to kill off a lot yeah, of the bacteria yeah. that was in yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that those are the, and, and, and they are, I, I think they're basically good theories. I think they point, cause it's difficult to know exactly what was going on. Yeah. But all of those things, all of those ideas are basically sound. They point to something that was practical. Um, uh, but also definitely um, uh, aimed at Timothy himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll get into this uh, to this letter of First uh, uh, Timothy and uh, what these pastoral epistles are all about.
So Matthew, we are now getting into, we've, we've gone from the letters of Paul to the churches, to these, you know, to these uh, letters to, uh, you know, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, to Thessalonians, to these groups of believers. And now we've really changed gears, mm. even even in time as well, because we're going a, li- a little bit later yeah, in we are, Paul's, yeah. li- Paul's yeah. life. And we're looking at these letters that are personal, mm. written to an individual yeah, so they're written to um, Timothy and Titus. Um, Timothy, uh, th- th- they are both um, companions of Paul, co-workers with Paul. And when Paul would plant a church, he would leave them behind. So Timothy was left in Ephesus. Uh, and, and as we know, Paul was in Ephesus for some time. There was a very significant strategic place, Ephesus. So Timothy was left in Ephesus to look after the church uh, and probably churches there. The, 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 there was um, uh, a number of congregations uh, in that area, and, and this was a common practice by Paul. Like Paul, Paul had, Paul had the Paul crew, yeah, you know, with him at different times. Yeah. Different people would come and and, That's right. and join. You know, Barnabas. We saw Barnabas with him mm. for a time. There was Silas mm. with him for a time. Doctor Luke was with him for yep. a while. Uh, we hear about John Mark and yep. other people, but it seems. That the person that maybe from this, from, you know, thousands of years away, yeah. we look on and we go, but there was something special with him and Timothy. There was something special with him and Timothy. There certainly was. I think um, there's a very very special bond between them. He refers to Timothy as my son. Mm. Um, and there's a real affection that he has for Timothy. That comes out in the second letter uh, to Timothy. So uh, Timothy is, you know, is a co-worker. Um, you know, they obviously had a... Had a um, Close, rela- close working relationship, close personal relationship. Then Titus um, is one of these other co-workers. Titus uh, uh, initially got left in Crete. Mm. Um, and these these letters to Timothy and Titus are actually written quite late. So the, the writing of these letters comes, unlike a lot of the other letters that we've looked at so far, these come after the end of, of Acts. Yeah. You know? yeah. So a lot of the other letters, all the other letters are written within that time period that the book of Acts yeah, covers. While Paul's on his missionary yeah, journey. That's in, right. Or, and, yeah. and some of those later letters are written during Paul's imprisonment, mm. that first imprisonment in Rome. Yeah. So Paul was released from uh, that first imprisonment. And then there's a, there's a period in which he was roaming free and we're not yeah. exactly sure where he went, yeah. maybe even to Spain. Yeah. Uh, and we're not, not sure. And not exactly sure. I mean, roughly even the time period, we've got a few question marks yeah. about exactly how long he was out for. Yeah, you know, that's right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, and we know that though he was imprisoned again. Yes. And so, uh, the, the first letter of Timothy and Titus are written when he was free, yeah. but the second letter to Timothy is when he's incarcerated again in Rome yeah. and conscious of the fact that he's now facing execution. Yeah, and oh, we'll get, in, we'll get yeah, into yeah, second yeah, Timothy yeah. when we get there. Yeah. But uh, giving, giving the, the background of young Timothy, Timothy is uh, the son of um, – you know, his mother and his grandmother mm. were, were believing, practicing Jewish messianic believers mm. they have yeah that's right they, they yeah. were they were you know jews who knew the torah they knew the word they brought yeah. timothy into that and they became believers and brought timothy into that yeah, yeah, as well right. uh but his dad was his dad was greek yeah that's right yeah. yeah so so he was i mean one of the issues that we see in acts is that he was uncircumcised and paul uh, has him circumcised because they're going to be spent spending some time ministering uh, amongst the Jewish people. Now it's interesting that with Titus, Paul takes the opposite 
as a as a kind of a demonstration of the of the freedom the yes. new covenant freedom from all of those rules uh he he actually encourages Titus not to don't yeah don't go in for that stuff yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah uh so um could that be an example of what we were talking about before of Paul's you know, growth as a as understanding, or you know, or maybe just a change of heart of what. what no, I, I think it's just circumstances because from from the very beginning, Paul didn't think that was no. that was necessary. That there is a you know, there's a really important reason why he doesn't want to he doesn't want to fight irrelevant battles. Yeah, uh, initially, which is why he he encouraged Timothy. Look, get circumcised just so we don't have battles over that. So we we can be seen to be respectful yes. to the Jewish law. Oh, gee, there's so we could we could talk an entire yeah, entire yeah. thing about that. Yeah. Okay, so that's that gives us a background of Timothy. We know that Timothy had accompanied uh, Paul on different trips mm. and had gone back and forth, and Paul had used him almost in that mm. sense of. You know, if you've got Timothy with you, you've got me with you type of attitude. Mm. He really sends yeah. him in there as, yeah, he, that's right. as his own emissary, yeah. his own presence. And, and he's a young man too. Yeah. He's a young man. And and um, I, I think he's feeling uh, the, the responsibility, uh, the, uh, how great this responsibility is. You know, here is Paul in an area and then, and then Timothy's got to step in to be some big shoes. Yeah. And so... Paul is saying things to Timothy like, "Don't let people despise your youth. Yeah. Uh, don't be timid. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and, uh, and it's but it's wonderful. It's 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 you, you see this picture of this young man that's stepping into these positions uh, of responsibility and and Paul's constant uh, mentoring of him. And actually, there's so much that comes through that relationship and that mentor. I mean, in a sense, um, there's a sense in which. You know, Paul is this disciple maker, as Jesus taught us, go and make disciples. And we see Paul making disciple of Timothy and Titus as, as Christian missionaries. And of course, we're all called to be Christian missionaries. And so to me, you know, I, I read the words of Paul to Timothy and Titus and, 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 and I, I think that they can be owned very personally. You know, this is to, this is to me because, uh, and, and to all of us because we like Timothy and Titus are, uh, stepping into that that role. Mm. Okay, so that that's the background there. So let's get into the specific, a bit of an overview mm. for this first book of this first letter. You know, of of First Timothy. Um, really, it's it's you know, I I really enjoy it as a letter because it's you know. Uh, it's got everything. It's got all the great hits. It's got all the like the great mm. hits from Paul. It's it's. Uh, really well laid out in the way that he thinks. We see these be- beautiful uh, times where Paul sort of breaks up parts of the teaching with with some of his little poems, some of these little prayers that he has scattered mm. in in the first book of Timothy. Mm. These great statements about yeah. Christ, but then some very practical teaching about, well, yeah. about the teaching. Well, it's, it's it's actually very specific because he's uh, he's writing to Timothy. Yes, and th- there's not the same. Um, there's not the same general teaching which you have in Ephesians and no. Philippians and, you know, big theological concepts. This yeah. is very practical stuff. From the start, he's dealing with issues. Yes. Uh, and, and I think this is the value of uh, yeah. of these letters is that they're very practical. They deal with very specific issues. And this is important when interpreting this letter, and, and we're going to discuss some in, in, in the next episode, yeah. some 
controversial elements yeah. or, or this. I don't know when you want to do that. Yeah, we'll, um, I will get into it eventually. Yeah, don't worry, eventually. There's, there's a few in there. Um, uh, so so it's, I think it's important to recognise that there is something very specific about this this letter. In yes. they're dealing, he's dealing with specific situations. Yeah, yeah. What 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 I was alluding to it there with you know being able to see the way that the way that Paul thinks, the way that he lays out the letter. But you really again getting back to that word we had from an earlier question, we see the heart of Paul mm. as an apostle. Mm. As a leader, as a teacher, yeah. that practical way he's talking to the trainee pastor. Yeah, that's the right. The trainee yeah. type of thing. Yeah, that's and the, right. And the way that he puts the fingers on the issues mm. and names names and puts yeah. it down to what's what's happening. And I love, if I could sum up, you know, the whole first book of Timothy, you know, the first letter of 1 Timothy, it's almost like, let's get back to the main thing. The main thing is the main thing. Yeah. All this other stuff. That's really We good need summary. to cut it off. Yeah. You know, like bang, 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 get into here. Yeah. And I love, I love that attitude with Paul. Yeah. It's, I, I, that has really struck me th- this time. Yeah. Um, how, uh, you know, Paul is, is addressing all of these diversions and digressions from the, from this main thing, all potential complications. Yeah. And, of course, one of the big themes, or really the big theme throughout these letters, is the theme of, of false teaching, mm-hmm. and um, and and it's not it's not just false teaching in terms of um, as we would think, you know, very abstract, uh, um, you know, very abstract digressions from you know the Trinitarian formula or, or, or whatever, which which I think is valid as a form of false teaching, but. Mm. Um, I, I think Paul here um, has something much more practical in mind. I think these exhortations against or these warnings against false teaching can be taken the wrong way, mm. as though we've got to dot every I and cross every T, yeah, yeah, yeah. and in, in, a, in and form this this uh, perfectly rounded, gapless theological system. Yeah. Um, no, I, actually, Paul has something uh, far more. Uh, practical in mind because he wants to actually prevent uh, the. Uh, I mean, in one sense, he wants to prevent the faith from becoming uh, a, a big intellectual system of of of, of um, that de- 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 detracts as though it's some kind of secret knowledge that mm. only the the certain people can really even understand. And he yeah. wants to get back to the simplicity and and. Of the practice of this of this message, and the sim- simple things that he emphasizes is that you know God has come to us in Christ uh, to reconcile through His death to reconcile us to Him, so that we can so we can walk with God by God's Spirit and mm. fulfill and live out you know fulfill the life that we're meant to be living uh, together. This is simple. It's this, this simple message that we have this opportunity to be reconciled to God through Christ and to live the life that we're always meant to live together. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, that simple idea and, and the constant invitation, uh, into that is what Paul is constantly emphasizing. So he's dealing with people who are putting obstacles in the way. Oh, no, but you need to do this and this and this as well. Oh, no, but you need to know this and this and this. And I mean, th- there are factual, there's plenty of factual problems in that. So there were people that were teaching that the resurrection had already happened. Mm, and mm. Um, it, There was all sorts of confusion coming in. And Paul's constantly having to sweep aside those. But 
particularly practical things. Mm. So, um, you know, people saying that, well, you, you know, we can't get married and we've got to live these, you know, according to strict ascetic codes and yep. deny this and deny that. And, you know, we've got to follow the law to the nth degree. And it's, uh, it's this false teaching in that, that it's that simple message plus this and this and this and this yes. and this. And of course, Paul's warnings, um, uh, were certainly not in vain because if you look in, Church, if you look at church history, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly the very things, yeah. even the the kinds of things that he yes. names. Yeah, I mean, it's just remarkable. It's yeah. it's, and this is the where the relevance of this is so amazing because he he lists a whole lot of things hmm. um, that uh, that he, he cites as false teaching, and they just happen to be the very sorts of things. That actually have occurred throughout church history yeah. as a digression from the gospel. There's nothing new under the it's sun. It's like he knew what was going to happen, yeah. and, and in a way, I would say, by the spirit of God, he is pre- absolutely is preempting. Yes, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. But also that concept that the human heart keeps going back to the same yeah, yeah. things. We got we're not same we're not humanity. Yeah. yeah, we're the same people as we were yeah. back then. We like to think we're sophisticated and got all this, yeah. you know, wisdom now, but we we don't. And it's funny how you know these problems, and, and you see. Paul writing to the different churches and to Timothy here. And like you're saying, they're either wandering off in in adding to the gospel with false teaching or mysticism or Gnosticism, these other ideas that they've got to sort of get into this secret knowledge, yeah. or they're downplaying what Christ has done. It's one or the other. It's like two sides. Yeah. They're either saying, add this in, or I can go out and and be even more base than I was before yeah. because I can sit, you know, type of thing. And he's, and it's so, he makes it so simple. The simple line in the yeah. middle of saying, no, this is the way. Don't, don't wander off either way. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, um, Paul's answer to that, to this scenario, interestingly to Timothy, uh, has a lot to do, um, what, well, his, his answer is really to put things in place to pre- prevent this kind of thing in the long term. Yeah. So, um, he addresses the, the false teaching, which, which really is a general vulnerability of the church. This is the picture he paints, that we, the church is always going to be vulnerable to, um, to these untoward influences, to these, uh, to false teachings and perversions of, of the simple fundamental message. Mm. And so what Paul does is, is that he puts roles in place to protect totally. that simple fundamental message and the mission that flows from yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. This is what it's all about. This simple message that we're reconciled to God through Christ to live by the spirit, uh, and uh, together. Yeah. So, uh, so he puts roles in place and he wants to, uh, help the church to, to get itself into an order mm. that is going to make it. Um, stronger in the future. All right. Now we've we've sort of been skipping around what the general themes are that are coming in, but let's let's crack into as we finish off this episode. What I'd love to do is just have a look at chapter one in First Timothy, and chapter one in First Timothy, I think, has something that is worth 
again, it's the it's the it's the main thing being the main thing. Yeah. And I and I and I reading it again just last night, I was like, oh, thank God for this. And I was talking about it with my three sons, and I was amazed at how they were getting it wrong. And I was part of me was going, <laughs> oh, gee, I'm a dud as a dad. I'm not teaching them the right way. But a great this is the great thing, and we have this book to be for, for us to go through and explain, even mm. just in chapter one, what the main thing is and the main thing. And so the point in in chapter one that I love so much is that, you know, he brings up the false teachers straight away using the law, using the Old Testament as a reason to, you know, add on this false teaching, add on these things that are not prerequisites. And and Paul just has that beautiful way of summing up what the law is, that Mm -hmm. the law and the Old Testament, all these rules that we've been given is to show us not how to be righteous, yeah. But that we are not righteous yeah, at that's all, right. yeah. And that just basic fact right there is so missable to so yeah. many people. So it's it's like it that's the diagnosis, but it's not the, the yeah. it's not the solution. Yeah. Um. And and this this is where he gets back to the simple message because he's saying that through Christ, uh, we we can actually be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and it's yeah. by the leading of the Spirit that we become who we're meant to be. Yeah. Not just by trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. No. By you know achieving, following all the rules. That's yeah. not uh, that's not the way it works. And of course, he then uses himself as as an example of yeah. God's grace. Yeah. And and how he was transformed by God's grace. Yeah. Uh, as we move on from verse twelve and onwards. Yeah. It, it, look, mm. just that little chapter was really like. This what a great introduction, you yeah. know, and bringing bringing Timothy right from the beginning. Look, one of your, yeah. you know, one of the problems here that you're facing, Timothy, are these false teachers. He actually names them. He names yeah. two of the guys by yeah. name in the yeah. church, which, yeah. you know, my goodness, what a public record, you yeah. know, in the, for all of yeah. eternity in Scripture, we've got these two guys yeah. naming who were who yeah. were who using the Old Testament falsely and adding in that we're supposed to be doing this extra stuff trying to make ourselves righteous by the law, and it takes away the whole work of Christ in the mm. first place. It's mm. missing That's the right. point. Yeah. I, mm. uh, just, I, I just love that as an introduction. Yeah. Uh, now, it, it, what is there, uh, as as we look on, um, what, it, was there anything personally for you, Matt, as we finish up this episode mm. and looking at the first, um, you know, first half there of the book of First Timothy, w- what hits you again afresh as you've been meditating on it this time? The thing that really has has hit me uh, is uh, actually the this idea of the simplicity of the Christian message and the way that Paul keeps coming back to that. Because as I said before, I think in the past I've interpreted his warnings against false teaching perhaps as um, as exhortations to be meticulous in every tiny little matter of uh, of Christian doctrine. Now, look, I I, I am fairly pedantic when it comes to that because as I've yeah. said in a previous episode episode, you know, I, I feel that as a as a in the role of a teacher, I'm accountable to two thousand years of of um of church history and and of the church's growth in, the, in its understanding of scripture and yeah. you know, uh, basically set um sound doctrine, you know. Yeah. So so I do I do think that that's important. But uh what has been highlighted to me is why it's important. Great point. And um, it's important because it all protects this wonderfully simple message. Uh, and actually, it, it, as I was reflecting on this, I thought about 
all of the quite complex doctrinal formulas, you know, like the the Nicene Creed, I mean, you can look up the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed, two of the early uh, creeds, that, that were the result of just seemingly endless discussions, like volumes and volumes and volumes were written, talk mm. about dotting I's and crossing T's. But what they did in the end was to produce something that's full of mystery, that seems to protect the mystery, uh, that prevents us from trying to understand it all and, 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 and break it down logically and again and again and again points us back to the simple fact mm. that God came to us in Jesus Christ to reconcile us to himself so that we can be indwelt by God, mm. the Spirit of God, and live the lives that we were meant to live together. Mm. So all it's uh, so I know that it at times, you know, the Christian faith can seem sort of highly dogmatic when we think of all of the great doctrines of the faith. Mm. But actually, all, all of those, all of those fundamental beliefs of the Christian faith, as they have been clarified over the last two thousand years, they're actually protecting the simplicity of that message. Oh, they're preventing an over-rationalization of it, or, or they're, they're warding off attempts to break it down logically and and make it. Um, you know, accessible to the logical mind. It's like, yeah. no, you'll, no, we can never understand or break this stuff down. We're just going to do what it says. And we have the opportunity to actually experience a relationship with God and life in the spirit because of what Jesus has done. But ha- Matt, the, the struggle, the, the ongoing struggle, I'm being very personal here, the ongoing struggle for my life. Yeah. I think my life verse was one that was tattooed on my mind yeah. in in the conservative churches that I was raised in, and it was it was from this very book. This is why I love Timothy so much; yeah. such a crucial book to my young yeah. faith. And it's where you know, you know, we we have this command of rightly dividing the word of good. Yeah. You know, an approved workman will not be ashamed because yeah. he is rightly divided. He knows where how the Bible fits together, and you and there's a desire for those of us who love God's word of wanting to fit it together and wanting to understand it. Yeah. How do we fight that with the with mm. the thought of going I'm adding to it. I'm losing I've 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 lost the you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've lost the meaning for all the stuff, you know, I've 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 yeah. lost the truth of the of why, why I'm here for all the minutia around yeah. it. Well, I, I mean I I feel that responsibility yeah. very much, but um uh but what qualifies that, and and this time particularly, what I've gotten out of it, out of Paul's epistle to Timothy, is um, this sense that um, that I that I do that that and, and I um, you know rightly divide the word of truth so that I put no obstacle in anyone's way so that I add nothing to to the message that should not be added. So, so for example. You know, this can, in, in, like, it could, it would be easy for me to try to fill in all the gaps. Yeah. So to help you to understand, uh, something about how Christ, uh, you know, how, how is it that God can come to us in Jesus Christ and, and dying on a cross? And this is so paradoxical and would be easy for me to try to break all of that down and, and explain it logical, logically. Or, I mean, there's so, there's so much mystery in that. I do know, I do no favor to anyone by trying to um, solve that mystery. Um, My job as a teacher is to keep pointing people to the simple fundamental 
good news mm. that Paul emphasizes again and again. And um, it has become, I know it's become a matter of uh, preserving some great and complex um, doctrinal system where with, with all slightly different nuances and different denominational traditions and we're all fighting amongst ourselves. Um, now, I think the fundamentals of the faith are really clear and uh, and they have been clearly defined through history. We don't need to do that work and let's move on. But the way in which they've been defined is to point us always back to the centrality of Christ and to uh, to the life in the spirit. And this, I think, is what we should just stop doing what Paul tells us not to do. And that's sitting around in endless contro- controversies and, mm. and, and trying to, no, let's just get on with actually, uh, let's connect with God. Let's live by the spirit and let's get about this mission. Because I tell you, uh, idle hands make devils work. <laughs> and if we just get about the business of what God is calling us to do, then we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to be waylaid into all these other things because the message is simple, the mission is simple, and uh, and it's so liberating to live in that simplicity. Yes, some great words there from Matthew as we wrap up this uh, episode 19, a bit of an overview introduction into this first letter to Timothy from Paul. Now, you, as I said at the beginning of the episode, we are going to release episode 20, our next episode, in just a couple of days. So uh, stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss out on, on this one because it is a in-depth discussion on the second chapter of the uh, the book of First Timothy, and this is where T- uh, Paul writes to Timothy about gender roles in the church, about uh, men and women, and a very controversial, uh, often heated debate erupts out of this second chapter. So Matthew and I deal with that in the next episode. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you uh, are getting the episodes because you don't want to miss out on that one. Now, there has been some confusion. There's been some questions about how to find us online and how to submit your questions to us. So I'm going to take a moment just to clear that up and let you know exactly how to do that. If you're on Facebook, if you're comfortable using Facebook on your computer, on your phone, then you can head over to facebook.com forward slash thrive today page and that you can search and like thrive today page be able to follow us there on facebook that's our main public page you'll get all our updates on there but we also have a private discussion group and that can be found at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash thrive deeper you can also find our group our group page on our thrive today page but the easiest way is to go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash thrive deeper now if you are not on facebook or you want to get to us directly you can head over to thrive today.net.au that's our home on the web that's our web page there you can find in the top right hand corner you will see contact if you hit that contact button you will see two forms and you're looking for the one that says submit a question for the thrive deeper podcast that's over on the contact page at thrivetoday.net.au is all of that crystal clear as clear as mud all right (laughs) 
Oh, boy. Look, we'll be back in a couple of days for episode 20. You don't want to miss out on that. And then next week, going back into our regularly weekly episodes. Looking forward to getting back into the schedule there. Thank you so much for all your kind words and support, all the messages that you send us. Please, if you love what you hear, let us know. It really goes a long way. All right, until next time, this has been DJ Payne for Thrive Deeper. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Our music is provided by the talented Rod Gear. For more information, head to rodgearmusic.com. The podcast is recorded at the studios of Geelong Christian Media Incorporated, then edited and produced by djp.fm. Until next time, thrive. Thrive.